Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. We're so grateful to have Kenzo Mabiala come today and join us. Why don't you come up, Kenzo? And he's, uh, he, he uh, leads and uh, brings direction to the Christian and Missionary Alliance churches here in Quebec. Uh, he served in various parts of the world. Uh, he's taught at Regent College as well out in Vancouver. But he has such a beautiful heart, and he's agreed to be part of our series this month in helping us to see the beautiful kingdom message and vision of Jesus uh, that Advent reminds us of. So thanks for, for joining us, Kenzo. We'll just give you a hand. It's great. Thank you very much, uh, Dave, for your introduction. And uh, I really appreciate it that... Uh, you take risks uh, sharing your uh, pulpit with uh, a short guy who is black. And by the way, if you haven't noticed yet, I'm really black. <laughs> I count it as a blessing to be with you. In a, this is a great church. And what you're doing is amazing. And may God bless you. So anytime I have a privilege of coming, not just to share, but to share, to participate in your worship is a blessing into itself. To be part of this community, even for a moment, is a blessing into itself. So I really appreciate your uh, invitation. And Advent is one of my best seasons of the year because it's, it's a time of expectation. I'm a person of goals, of dreams. I, I like to see things move, things change. And Advent is a really good season to see the radical change that the coming of Christ brings. And that excites me. And for this season, I've been following you online and... Uh, listening to what you've introduced already, the theme, it is fantastic because it is about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. Not long ago, I read Psalm, I was meditating on Psalm 24. That beautiful Psalm where, you know, you know, Gates are being ordered to lift up your and all that. But it starts with a, 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 with a general statement, a matter of fact statement. The earth belongs to the Lord. And everything that lives in it, it's God's property. It belongs to God. And being reminded of that as we are expecting the Messiah who brings about the kingdom, who mediates the kingdom, who inaugurates the kingdom. I get excited. And today, again, it's the same text that you've been uh, focusing on, uh, Romans chapter 14. And again, I just want to read it for us uh, once more. Romans chapter 14, verses 17 to 19. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, 
but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we've come before you being reminded of what is essential, what is at the core. Father, come with your spirit. Give life to these words. Once again, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this text is quite blunt. It says, it is about the kingdom. What matters most is the kingdom. What is of prime importance is the kingdom. Now here, just before we move on, let me offer to you my kind of simplistic definition of kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? Well, for me, the kingdom of God is where God alone reigns as king. The kingdom of God is what God alone brings about. The kingdom of God is an order of things or if you want dispensation that God alone inaugurates. That sets the stage for me as we are in the Advent, and we know that Christ comes to inaugurate the kingdom of God. So anything that I have in my life that I cannot do for myself or on my own, or no one can do, no parent, no government, nobody can do it, then get ready. God is about to do it. Because the kingdom of God is what God alone can do. It's the order that God alone can achieve. It's the space where God reigns as king. Oh, Father, I want you to make even my life a space where you and you alone reigns as king. But this kingdom is mediated, is mediated, brought about, inaugurated by the coming of Jesus. We know how closely linked the kingdom is in scripture with Jesus. It is so closely linked that when Jesus came around, the message was clear. Because of his presence, the kingdom of heaven was at hand, Matthew 4, 17. Or the kingdom of God has come near. Or the kingdom of God is within you. So because of his presence, all the kingdom of God becomes a reality. Is it? it? It is at hand. It has come near you. It is within you because of Christ's presence. Same thing in the teaching of Jesus himself.
In his teaching, Jesus says, in the prayer, especially when I'm just thinking about here about the Lord's Prayer. After the doxology where we praise God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy name. The main petition and in the principal petition in the Lord's Prayer Jesus taught us is thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And where your kingdom is present, it is where your will is done on earth as it is done in heaven. It is where all these other things that are in the, the Lord's Prayer become a reality. Our daily bread. The forgiveness of sin. And so forth. So the main petition is the kingdom of God. Oh, brothers and sisters, we should all desire for the kingdom of God to become a reality. Thy kingdom come. I know that liturgy can be heavy, can be repetitive, can be all this. But we've lost something because we don't use liturgy anymore. Because in the old liturgies, one thing that was... Always, in every service, in every event, in every, uh, you know, moment of worship was the, 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 recitation of, the recitation of the Lord's Prayer. Because there we ask God, we pray to God, thy kingdom come. It's a petition, it's a request, but also at the same time, it's a wish. It's a desire of our heart. Paul does the same thing. In his teaching that we read today, he says that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. What is Paul telling us here? Paul is telling us that everything we are about Everything that we do, everything that we, we want is about the kingdom of God. So as he's solving, as Dave told you last week, as he's solving this issue that arose in the church attention, he's bringing them back to what matters, that is the kingdom of God. And indeed, he's telling them, do not trivialize the kingdom of God. Now, I need to make clear here. Food and drinking, it matters. But there are two things going on here. I, I can't ignore that because I'm a guy who comes from a place where food is a major issue. I tell people that here when my children pray, give us our daily bread. So 90.9% .9 it's already there. It's available. But I come from a place where when you say give us our daily bread, it's not a joke. It's a prayer. It's a petition. Because not only you're not sure whether you're going to get your your bread that day, 
But it's not even sure the way they're going to get you day, your bread tomorrow. Same thing with drinks, drinking. It's very important. I remember a story of, with my brother, Isaac. He's our, he's our youngest. And he was living with our parents, and he came to visit when... Um, it happened just to, he happened to visit us when I had my, can't remember whether it was my 40th or my 35th, but it was my birthday anyways. So he came to visit where I was working. And my wife organized a, a birthday celebration, and in Africa we drink a lot of pops <laughs> during the things, because you invite everyone, so the easiest way just give them pops. And I was watching my brother. And he had uh, his first Coke, and he went into his second, and he went into his third, and he was launching on his, to his fourth. I said, oh, brother, you must have a love affair with Coke here. And I asked him, it just happened. I had this moment asking, but when did you last have your Coke? And he tells me, the day you were married. And that had been five years earlier. So it's not a guy who didn't want Coke because it's bad for you, but it's a guy who could not access Coke for five years. And we were, you know, my parents were teachers, so we, we were not, we were doing well. We had food, we had water. But you can see that food can be a major issue. So I'm not trivializing here drinking and eating. But when you are in the context of the kingdom of God, you have to be careful because some of the things that are also important, they take center stage. And many times they even lead to fights, to conflict. Oh, I don't, I don't want to get there because if I want to say how many things that we observe even in this Western country, may not even be food or drinks that create tension, conflict, where we need to be reminded to stay to the essential. It can be theology, it can be political positions, it can be all the things that are also important. Paul is telling us when you focus on them instead of the kingdom of God, you are trivializing the kingdom of God. Keep your focus on the kingdom of God. Do not allow yourselves to be distracted. That's why he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. But he says, it's a matter of righteousness. Thank you for the message last week on righteousness and peace. Kingdom is, the kingdom of God is about peace. Peace kingdom. The kingdom of God is about peace. And again, what is peace? Well, I just pulled out something that I picked up, and uh, they've also defined peace last week. The Hebrew word for, uh, for peace is shalom, meaning peace, harmony, 
wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, tranquility. Wow. All this in one word. Peace is all that in one word. And peace that Paul is talking about here is not any peace, but it's kingdom peace. And because it is kingdom peace, it means that peace that God alone can give. We know that that night when Jesus was born, when the angels announced his coming, we have the angel coming telling us that it was great news, great good news, great, great good news, wonderful news, fantastic news, that today a Savior is born. And shortly after, he's joined with this choir of angels. And when they sang, they said not only glory to God in the highest, but they also said peace to those on whom his favor rests. So it's his coming, the birth of Jesus, that brings that kind of peace that Paul is talking about. Peace that God alone can provide. And in his own relationship with his disciples, in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus is comforting his disciples because he has just announced that he's going to leave them. And he tells them, Peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. But just in case you'd be mistaken, it's my peace I give you. And he again explains, I do not give it to you as the world gives. This peace is special. It's not any peace that is brokered by governments, it's brokered by institutions, it's brokered by, I don't know, mutualities or human effort. This is divine peace. This is kingdom peace that God alone gives. And brother and sister, because it's a gift from God, all that we need is to desire it, want it from the bottom of our hearts. And this peace is mediated peace. Peace with God through the Lord Jesus. It's mediated. It's brokered peace. And this beautiful verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, we read, since we have been justified Through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we'll say that in other contexts, but peace, the peace of God, 
you don't access it on your own, by your own efforts. Kingdom peace, the peace of God, is always exclusively only brokered peace, and it's brokered by Jesus. We have been justified through faith. Now we have peace with God. And having peace with God is, as we know, is the most important thing because we all know that we are born in sin. We fall short. We, we do not, we're not sufficient unto ourselves. Even if you don't use the word sin, we all know that we messed up. We all know that there's something broken in us. We all know that there's something broken in the universe, in the world we live in. We know that. And to fix it, we need this peace with God because it's this brokenness, it's the broken relationship between God and human that led to all this. And we need to go back to God and to get back to the divine, to go back to God we need the mediation of Jesus Christ. But here, this peace that is divine, this peace that is kingdom peace, is God's peace. It's not only peace with God, it is also peace with one another. In Christ. Again, Romans chapter 12 Verse 18, live at peace with one another. Oh, I know that some are saying, oh, Kenzo, you taking shortcuts here. The Bible gives us a slack. The Bible gives us some room to maneuver here because the verse actually says, Kenzo, that if possible, and as much as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. It is true. But the point is still the same, live at peace. And the key element here is that it's brokered peace. You don't choose who you want to be at peace with. You choose to be at peace with those who are likable. And you choose not to be at peace with those who are not likable, jerks. I've had them in my life as well. But because it's brokered peace, and that is the mystery of the Christian life, it's not our own peace. It's the peace of God that we extend, as we'll see later on. We are only ambassadors, dispensers. It's Christ in us who is attracting us to do what is not naturally doable. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if you only like those who like you, those who, and literally says those who are likable, what extra are you doing? Even pagans do the same. It's only when you like those who are not likable that your Father in heaven is glorified. That is kingdom talk. Peace with one another, but also peace 
with oneself. A story is told about uh, a Brazilian bishop who lived during the time when there was a lot of instability during the military regimes in Brazil, a lot of instability, a lot of violence and all that. And he himself, you know, was uh, living in a situation where his life was constantly in danger. They attempted to kill, to kill him, to, you know, to kill him many times, attempted. So he didn't know when he would be gone because violence and the hate around him was that way. And he was asked in his peacemaking efforts, in his view, who was the greatest enemy, the communist, the right wing, or the name, all these kind of things. And the story is, say, is told here that he raised his hands to the heaven and he brought his finger down to himself. He said, it's here. If you want to make peace with others, he says, we, f we first need peace with ourselves. But he says, this can sometimes, sometimes be as difficult as making peace in the bloodiest of the world's war zones. The war that is within me is, is, is the fiercest war that is going on to be at peace with myself. And again here, there's also a sphere where God's peace wants to enter within ourselves. And again, it is brokered peace. You know, even for yourself, you know, oh, please, do not believe those who tell you that you have it within yourself. You can fix things for, for your, on, on your own, and you have all the energy that you need. Just get inside yourself. It's a lie. Even to fix your own mess within yourself, you need Christ. It's brokered peace. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 makes it clear. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. You can't make sense of it in rational terms. It's divine. It's spiritual. It's God who can make it happen in ways that you cannot explain. I want that peace for myself, for myself too. And of course, just as with uh, righteousness, Pastor Dave told us last week that justice, uh, uh, righteousness is also in the Bible, the same word for justice. Same thing with peace. Peace is not only what God does for us, 
but what also God does through us, turning us into peacemakers in the world, calling us into a missional existence. You can debate on the missional term, but here it applies. Whereby all that we are, all that we do, all that we say is missional because it's a message to those outside, to the world. So we are called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, says Jesus, for they will be called children of God. When you read the blessed statements, this is the first one that comes with this beautiful promise. For they will be called children of God. Who wouldn't like to be called a child of God? And yet the route to it is that when you are a peacemaker, that's how you will be called. And Paul makes it even a mission. What he's saying in, again, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, that we have received a ministry, a mandate, a task to do, to be peacemakers. And this comes in a context where he just said, you know, uh, verse uh, 17, that whoever is in Christ is a new creature, has been made new. The old is past. And everything has become new. And then he goes on to say that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God we're making his appeal through us. We implore you in Christ's, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. What I like here is the association between being born again, to use the cliche term, being made new in Christ, and the mission to call others to be reconciled, to make peace with Christ as well. In France, there is basically an army within an army that is called the Foreign Legion. The Foreign Legion, La Légion Étrangère. This group, or this army within the army, was formed in the 19th century. And you hear this. It was formed of essentially foreign citizens who were in France who could not join the French army because they were foreigners. People who had no papers, if you want, sans papier, who, who, who were undocumented immigrants. And in its history, it opened up not just to the undocumented uh, immigrants, foreigners in France, but it opened up as well to French citizens. And the French citizens who enrolled in the Légion étrangère were criminals, uh, uh, people who had uh, escaped from prison, uh, all kinds of literally bad people. 
So they joined the legion and they were trained. And once you join the, uh, the legion, la légion étrangère in this case, once you join this group, this army, you are given a new identity. So you pass offenses are wiped out. And if you were not French citizen, that's where you, they were made for that. You become a French citizen. So everything is made new. Wow, you ask me, how do you know this is a story about France and you from Africa? Well, because it's with the legion that they conquered the colonies. So I tell to my children, because they are of the generation that ask us questions. How could our great-great-great-grandpa allow themselves to be colonized? I tell them, people who came here with guns or who came, we went to Africa with guns were criminals. Bad people, ruthless, lawless people. That's why, well, that's my excuse, that's me joking. But the key point here that when it was formed, it was... Its mission was only to fight foreign wars. And they were feared because they were ruthless and all that. What I said is true. But my point is that they fought the way they fought because they were given a new identity. Before they responded to the mission, they were given a new identity. Same here. We are peacemakers, but the peacemaking here, the mission to make peace is coming after we have received, as a response to the new identity that we have received from Christ. Or oh, even from these weird French people, we can draw spiritual lessons. Brothers and sisters, we know that making peace is not just abstract, it's concrete. Yes, reconciling people to Christ, but also, as we heard earlier, and you heard last Sunday, shalom, the, word for, uh, the Hebrew word for peace means Peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. And when we read in Jeremiah 29, verse 7, God himself is telling the people of Israel who were in exile, seek the welfare, the shalom of the city where I God is talking here, where I have sent you into exile, not where you happen to be into exile. No, where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, on the behalf of the city, on, the, on, on behalf of the nation, on behalf of the province of Quebec, on behalf of Montreal, on behalf of the city, even if they're going you know, in a way that we don't like, but we need to pray for its welfare or for its shalom. Why? God says, for in its welfare, in its shalom, you will find your welfare, your shalom. As we are living, going through the Advent season, I'm just wondering, 
if we could take a moment to reflect on the fact that Christ was coming as the Prince of Peace. He's coming to broker for us divine peace, kingdom peace, shalom, welfare, tranquility, all the above. Can we focus on what is essential? That is the kingdom. And not allow ourselves during this season to be distracted by whatever may happen in society or in our own private lives. Can we accept the gift that God sends away his gift of peace that is being brokered by Jesus so that he rules not only in society but also even in our own lives, private lives? Can we give him a chance to bring peace within ourselves, in our neighborhood, with our friends, with our enemies? And can we extend peace to others as peacemakers? Maybe a word of blessing, a word of encouragement, a word of affirmation that would bring peace to someone else. Because we have been given peace, a new identity. And God is inviting us to extend peace on his behalf. So I'm asking Pastor Dave to come and lead us in a moment of response. Uh, thank you, Kenzo. Appreciate that so much and this call. And I just want to give you just give us all a chance just to respond as the Lord uh, is speaking into our own hearts, uh, our own lives. I love that just this reminder um, it's so easy. You know, last week we asked the question, right? How is spiritual and social justice or the spiritual and social gospel work together? And I think Kenzo just reminded us of this at, in this close. It's like we long to be people of peace and live that out, but it starts with um, the peace that God begins to work in our own hearts. That's how spiritual and social work together, right? And so we follow, we follow what God's been doing uh, ultimately in our hearts. And so I'm going to invite you just to take some time just to respond um, to this message, to this call. And maybe, um, maybe you need to consider a response. Maybe if you've been following Christ for a while, if you've experienced the peace of Christ in your own heart, as you're listening this morning, the Lord might be prompting you to, in ways that you've lacked responding in tangible peace in the world around you. God's already done a wonderful work, but it's not enough to say, oh God, it's so good that it's in me. Uh, and then you keep it all for yourself. <laughs> the, the idea is that we live it out, we lean in, um, tangibly bring it to the world around us. So maybe that's the response for you today. Knowing what God has already done in your heart, knowing the, the beautiful, um, how he's made you righteous, how he's brought peace, how you've experienced his forgiveness and then how that overflows to others around you. But maybe for some, like you got to do the first thing. 
and you want to see peace and you want to bring peace and you want to bring justice, uh, but there's, there's no peace inside your own heart. And um, maybe your response today is responding to the, to the kind of peace that only God could bring in your own heart. Amen? And if that's where you're at, then I invite you to make that step with us in prayer today um, to invite God to work in your own heart, to invite him to lead you and guide you, and then to say yes to that invitation to call Jesus Lord. So just take some time as we give you just a chance regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, to respond to God's invitation to you today. God, we hear your invitation uh, to us today. And God, we just recognize how often we can make your kingdom a matter of secondary things. Things that can be important and valuable and helpful and resourceful, and yet at times we've made these secondary things a primary part of your kingdom, God, and we just ask your forgiveness. God, we just welcome you to examine our own hearts and lives in all these particular parts of our life that we've mistakenly placed our hopes in and, and made part of seeing that it's a primary part of your kingdom, God. And yet, Lord, we long, we long to just hear this invitation to know and remember that your kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And God, we, I just pray for anyone here today that for the first time is welcoming your peace into their lives as they surrender to the Lordship of your Son, Jesus, as they welcome your rule and reign in their own hearts and lives. God, may they know and experience the incredible peace that only you can bring, that only you make possible as they allow Jesus to be Lord of their lives. God, I pray for um, many of us here who have so cherished and celebrated and valued um, the peace that comes, that transcends our own understanding that we've known and yet have not extended to the world around us. Oh God, even forgive us if that is where we are today, God. There is a world around us that is so longing to see peace made start in us and in our relationships. May it be evident in our church community. God, may it be evident in how we interact with the world around us. God, may the world see your peace in action in the way we treat one another, in the way we respond to violence, in the way we respond to hatred, in the way we respond to the invitation for division or polarization, God. Oh God, we so pray that your kingdom would come and your will be done in us as it is in your rule and reign in heaven. Yes, God, and we just, we celebrate the possibility of this and recognize it can only happen through the Lordship of Jesus in us and in our community, God. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.